get started here, Mark 7. Uh, we went through uh, the end of the chapter here from verse 24 down to 37 last time. I just want to go back up and catch some of the details in uh, uh, this week and next week in the two miracles here uh, because these two are really picturing the spiritual condition of the nation of Israel. He's just spent the time dealing with the Pharisees, the scribes. Back up in verse 6, he answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men. And again, he has dealt with them. And he, I mean, again, what a way to start the conversation, you hypocrites. And, you know, people have a really, a, Christianity has a morbid idea about the Lord being this meek and weakly guy and just along for the ride and, and literally would heal anybody and everybody that came to him. And we're going to find out in verse 24 here that that just isn't the case uh, right off the bat. So he deals with them uh, honestly, truthfully. He co confronts them constantly about their vain religious system. The, externally, they look good. They smell good, they sound good, but internally that's the issue. Verse 23, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. And again, that's the issue. That's the point. That's his answer. The issue is the heart. And, and we've uh, dealt with that. So now Mark is going to contrast what you see the heart of the vain religion, external external, nothing internal. Now, see the heart of the Messiah. Here's what his thinking is like. You see how the vain religion thinks? Now let's see how the Messiah thinks. And there's an intentional focus here by Mark as, the, as he portrays the Lord as the servant. Here's the heart of the servant. Here's the heart of the Messiah. And what he is going to do now in these two miracles that Mark puts together is that he is going to, he's again just simply comparing. Here's the religious system, here's the Messiah, here's the heart. And uh, literally, when we're going to go look at Matthew 15 here in just a minute, when we get over there, Matthew portrays the Lord as the king. So there's a lot more detail in Matthew 15 about this because here's the authority. Here's his credentials to be the king, why he's able to do and say and so forth. And literally, that's really going to be the difference is in portrayal. So verse 24, And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon, and entered into a house, and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. So again, Christ goes up into what is called the land of the Galilee, the Galileans of the land of the Gentiles. That's where he's at. He's up in that north, uh, west coast there, uh, back into the Galilee of the Gentiles. And again, he's just literally getting away from the Pharisees, and and really their plot to kill him. It's not time for them to kill him. He knows that, so he's got to get away from them so that they can't. If he'd have stuck around, they'd have killed him quick. They would have just, they would have sent the lewd men of the baser sorts and got him somewhere. They really would have, but he gets away. He can't be hid. That, that's a crazy thing. Verse 25, for a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit, notice, heard of him and came and fell at his feet. She heard... What did she hear? That he could heal, that he could cast out the devil. He could take care of what is needed. So she comes. And verse 26, the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and, the, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. So she comes. Now Mark shows us, here's, uh, she comes as a mother desperate for her daughter. And she just really basically comes here in the need that she has. And she, um, 
presents herself to the Messiah. There's, there's nothing more than that in, in Mark's picture here. And, and again, she's a Gentile. She's a Greek. By the way, what's interesting, kind of a side note, is Greek, Gentile, those are inner words that get used interchangeably. Paul will say, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But then he'll say a little later in Romans 1, to the Jew first and also to, then to the Gentile. And that's, a, you know, the Greeks, he's writing to the Romans. They're not Greeks, they're Italians. So we're not talking about nationality. That's the thing. We're talking about that status of the world, the Jew and the Gentile, and that separation there. She's a Syrophoenician. So, again, we're not talking about her being a Greek ethnically. She is a Syrophoenician. She's of Phoenicia who happens to live in Syria who's down in this territory looking for help. So she's, she's a, well, she, she is a stranger. She's an outcast. She's not, she doesn't belong to the nation of Israel. Actually, she is a mortal enemy of the nation of nationally, okay, not her specifically. But she comes and what does she say? I have a need. So come over to, Rome, to, to Matthew 15 and let's notice the Matthew's account and just kind of draw a picture between Matthew and Mark. Because in Matthew 15, he's going to include more. Now, Matthew presents the Lord as king, but Matthew is also looking at the dispensational setting. Within the nation of Israel, dispensationally now, there's a change in Israel's program. Israel's had the law and the prophets were until John. Then from John the Baptist moving forward, what's being preached? The kingdom. And every man presses into that. Remember that verse in Luke. And that's really what's happening here. There's a dispensational shift because who's on, who's on the table now? The Messiah on the scene. The table. On the scene. The Messiah is. And dispensationally, he's, there's things changing. He says, Moses tells you don't commit don't, break, don't commit the adultery. I say if you look at the woman and you think it and it's in your heart, you've already done the deed. That's a shift. That's a change from this, from don't do the law to now it's a lust of the heart issue, see. So that there's a change here. So as she comes, uh, Matthew 15, 21, then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan, came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Now, notice, she's a woman of Canaan. That's even worse than being a Greek or Syrophoenician. She is a mortal enemy of Israel, Canaanites. They hate Israel. They belong over under Ishmael and Esau, and they hate Israel. They're after them. She's a total and complete outcast. And yet, what does she do? She sees him, she's heard about him, and off she goes running. Now, there are two times, and we'll see them this evening, where the Lord deals directly himself with a Gentile. Here with this woman, and then over in a little later, we'll see the centurion and his servant. But those are important dispensationally because they're painting a picture. Verse 22, uh, she behold a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him saying, have mercy on me. So she comes and she's going to say something here. But notice what she does. O Lord, thou son of David, she recognizes him as Israel's Messiah. Now, in Mark, she doesn't say this. She says, help me. See, Matthew, we're, again, painting that picture of authority, power. So what does she call on? She calls on him as the son of David. Lord, thou son of David. She makes a more emphatic statement towards who he is as king. 
The only reason you know he's king is because who is he? He's the son of David. He's in that lineage. So there's something else here. She comes, again, in Mark, she just comes and says, hey, I, 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 have, I need help. Here, she's coming in a more, here's a mom with a daughter that has a need. She comes to him as Israel's Messiah. And what does he do? He answered her not a word. He doesn't ignore her. He doesn't respond to her. Okay? And there's a little bit of a difference here. He, he, here, is the, here is Israel's Messiah, Israel's king. And this Canaanite woman comes, Syrophoenician, the Greek woman comes, and what does he do? No response. Now, there's the question then comes in, okay, why did he do that? Why does he respond this way? Well, the answer, he's going to give it to us in verse 24. And he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She's an outcast. She's on the wrong side of the middle wall of partition. She's Ephesians 2 status. You remember what that is. Ephesians 2, hold on to these and go get Ephesians 2. Just roll your Bible over or for you on the electronic bookmark it and come back. Look at Ephesians 2.11. See, there's something about her, about Matthew recording her saying, O Lord, thou son of David. What's the process? Well, Ephesians 2.11, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you're without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. She's on the wrong side of the, that wall of partition. And what is she doing? She's coming in, in to him, but she's coming improperly. You see, the proper... The way that Israel's program was to operate is very clear. The blessings aren't to come down through and directly to a Gentile. They have to go through who? The nation of Israel. By the way, no hope. There's no claim. The, the, the reason for the condition here and the issue that's happening in Matthew you can go back to Matthew now, is the fact that she, she's an alien. She's a stranger. She, she's not to get the blessing. She's not, the, by the way, the blessing is the healing of her daughter. She's, she comes with, she's coming with the, to make a claim on the Messiah of Israel but that's not how a Gentile in time past is to approach the situation. How was a Gentile in time past to approach God? They were to go through Israel. That's what the Abrahamic covenant is all about. They're to come over here and they're, they're to work through and bless Israel and go that direction. So when the Lord doesn't answer her, doesn't respond to her, he, he's not being rude. He's not being hard. He's not being, you know, just dismissive of her. He is following the program's procedures, the, 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 the format. But he's also doing something else in Matthew 15, verse 24. He answered her not a word, and his, what, disciples came, Matthew 15, 24. And besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth that. She's up here nagging, Lord, deal with her. And what does he say? I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You see, he's doing this also to train his apostles, the disciples. So they are they're triggered, they're remembering, hey, look, there's a proper procedure for the Gentile world to approach God. And it's going to be through the nation of Israel. The woman, by the way, she doesn't quit, does she? <laughs> She's pestering the disciples. He doesn't answer her. By the way, I heard a guy say, oh, he turned his back to her. That's not in the scripture. He just doesn't respond to her. So who does she go to? Well, if I can't get him, I'll get his associates. 
And so she doesn't quit. She goes to the apostles. By the way, they would be representing who? The little flock, the believing remnant. So she's going to them. And basically, you, would you go talk to him? He's the one that can heal, uh, heal me and take care of it. Go there. Then verse 24, but he answered and said, now he's talking to his disciples. He's not talking to the woman. He's talking to his disciples, and he says, here's why I'm not answering her, guys. I am not sent. I, it, the Messiah of Israel, Jehovah, the son of David, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And the reason for that, guys, is the Abrahamic covenant. Go back to Genesis 12. Genesis chapter 12. In Romans 15, in verse number 8, we, read, we have that wonderful verse, Genesis 12 is where you need to be, about the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's the minister of the circumcision. And we usually stop in that verse right there, but really we, the rest of that verse is, is, is just as important, and that is to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. And then he says, and that the Gentiles might, and then he quotes a bunch of prophets in 9:10 about the Gentiles coming and glorifying God, but coming with Israel to do it. We'll see that when we get down there. But look at Genesis 12, just to kind of remind ourselves here. When Jesus, what Jesus Christ is doing is he's making the appeal here. And the appeal is, listen, I'm not here to take care of them. I'm here to take care of Israel, and Israel is going to go and take care of them, the, the Gentiles. So she comes to make an appeal to the Messiah. Matthew puts the stop sign, nope. Mark, you don't see that. Why? Because the Lord has a heart. There's a heart, and that's what Mark is showing. Matthew is showing the legality. Here's what the king would do. Why? Because these are the rules. Okay? You got Genesis 12 now, right? I hope. Verse 2. Verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee and I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all the family all families of the earth be blessed what's he setting up with Abraham your seed is where I'm going to be working. I'm going to work through your seed, and then your seed's going to turn around and go out and bless all the families, all the nation groups out there. Now, later we learn that his seed is Isaac and Jacob. We understand that, down in, through, and so forth. So here's where his heart was. What's he doing? He's going to bless this little lady, but where does he start? He starts with dealing with Israel. So what has he just dealt with? Go, go back there to Matthew 15. What's he just dealt with here? In Mark 7, look at that vain religious system out there, the leaders out there, the people who should be in charge and bringing the blessings to the Gentiles, they're not there. You know what their heart is? Their heart is over here. It's wickedness. It's evil. They're over here doing stuff that should have never been done. Look at my heart. Here's where my heart is. My heart is to take care of this. So they weren't, and that, again, that's the contrast Mark's drawing, and that's what we see here in Matthew 15, the Abrahamic covenant. Abraham, your seed, I'm going to bless you and your seed. Then your seed's going to turn around and be a blessing out. But Israel, complete and total apostate. So they're not being the channel. They're blocked. They got a blockage in the channel. They're not being who God wanted them and needed them, wanted them to be. Matthew 15, 24 is really a rebuke. 
to Israel, not to the woman. I know what happens. We picture it to the woman, but it isn't. He's rebuking the nation. They're not where they're... He was sent to them, and they were not responding by faith to him. And because they weren't responding, then they are not the channel of blessing. That's the point. That's the problem. That channel, that's what they were to do. By the way, that's what religion does. Uh, now, go, now go over to Romans 15. That's what the satanic captivity, the satanic policy of evil is designed to do. And that is to cause you and I to not be who we're supposed to be. What, did God, what does God want Israel to be? A blessing, a channel of blessing to the world, the Gentile world. They're not able to do it because they're under satanic captivity, satanic bondage. So now instead of having the pure religion, they've got a vain religious system operating over here, the traditions of the elders, and they're doing all this crazy stuff. They've taken the word of God and made it of none effect. But again, what does he have for you and I today in the body of Christ? We're to have this life of Christ, so what does the religion do? Ah, that looks a little foolish, guys. Come on, you need to be doing this. And, what we, and so all he's trying to do, all that, all that the satanic attack's doing is getting God's people not to be God's people, not to be usable. He can't use Israel. That's the point. Israel is not usable, so what does he do? He reaches over here pulls out a little flock, ministry of John the Baptist, begins to call him out. The Lord calls him out, the earthly early Acts period. Peter and the Twelve are calling him out. Why? We're going to form a, a little flock, a believing remnant, a foolish nation that he's going to give the kingdom to. Because why? They're producing the fruits of righteousness. They're doing what they're supposed to do. Now, all that was my conclusion, so let's go home. <laughs> Look at Romans 15. You're not off the hook that easy. Look at 15.8. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. Again, we have to pay attention to this verse carefully. The ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is in time past. It's under the old program. It's not New Testament ground. It's Old Testament ground. And what do we have up then? We have that middle wall of partition up. Now, watch verse 9. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. So he's going to quote now four pro prophetic passages. Uh, this one is Psalms 18, verse 10, I'm, I'm sorry, verse, yeah, verse 10, and again he saith, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. So there's Deuteronomy. By the way, uh, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing. There, that's Isaiah 42 as well. Verse 11, and again praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again, Isaiah saith, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. What's going to happen there? No, by the way, notice verse 10. They're going to rejoice, ye Gentiles. Notice, with his people. That means Israel is in their place, doing their job. It, the Gentiles come in, and what do they do? They rejoice, too, because Israel is the proper channel of blessings are flowing. They've been unclogged, okay? Literally, again, verse 11, verse 12, obviously, what do the prophets say? Isaiah, Psalms, Deuteronomy, Moses, what do they say? The blessing is to flow through us to the Gentiles. That's clear as night and day. That's how the prophetic program was to work. And when that channel is flowing properly, the Gentiles will rejoice and will willingly be ruled over. They won't object to it. Okay? But what's happened to Israel? Well, Paul in chapter 11, 11 of Romans says that Israel has what? Fallen. Go back to Matthew 15. What's happened to Israel? 
they're in complete apostasy. They are not where they're supposed to be. They are not doing, they're not being the channel of blessings. They are, they are out there. He said, Paul says, you, you guys have, Israel, you guys have caused the name of God to be blasphemed among the Gentiles. Romans 2. Romans, Romans 2. You haven't even, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And the Gentiles have no use for God. They have no use for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because when they look at you, what do they see? They, they see uh, counterfeiting. They see hypocrisy. They see, well, you know, you can always tell when a scam's coming. I always wonder, but it's always amazing to me to see the news when people get scammed out of hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I'm like, can't you see it coming? You know, you're supposed to be able to, but anyway. Matthew 15. Verse 25, then came she and worshiped him, saying, what? Lord, help me. Now she doesn't come and call him son of David. Now she comes and says, what? I need help. See, she came and said, son of David. And he's like, that's improper. That's not what the program calls for. The legalese, the Abrahamic covenant says that you're to come through, the blessing is to flow down through Israel. And she gets it and she says, I know that, but man, I just need help. Verse 26, but he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. That. He says, I understand you need help, but that's not the program. The program is to feed the children, to take the, and then we go out. And again, that, that Gentile dog mentality. Why is that? Ephesians 2. What's the status in time past? That's who you were. You were, the Gentiles had been consigned to Satan and to destruction. That's where they were. Now, look, watch verse 27. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Notice her response. She doesn't make a demand on the Lord. She understands what's going on. Verse 28, Then, said, then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Great is thy faith. Now, he does that and then he takes care of her daughter. When he talks here about great is thy faith, a lot of misnomer out there about great faith. He's not talking about the amount of faith. Okay? A little later, he'll give the parable of the mustard seed. That's that little dude, faith of a mustard seed. It isn't about the amount. It's not about the volume of faith. Rather, he's talking about the content of faith, the content of her understanding here. Faith is a, it's a, merit, it's a meritorious act. Faith is, is, is really nothing. It's what you have faith in. The object of that faith is what's important. We all came in this morning and we had faith that the pews would hold us. Well, what's that pew to you? Nothing. It's just a piece of furniture. But what, were you, what was your faith resting in? That it would hold us. Okay, it would hold you up. Okay. So the object of your faith, that's where, she, that's where he's at. The content of her faith, that's the issue. What was she doing? She's believing the word of God. She understands the Abrahamic covenant. She understands the position she's in. That's why she says, true, Lord, but the dogs eat from the table. They, we eat the crumb. She understands the program. She's, she has a grasp on the program that the very leaders of Israel didn't have. They didn't grasp the program. She got it. Here's this little mom with a daughter 
And here's these big wigs up in the ivory towers. They, don't have a, they are clueless in Jerusalem. <laughs> and then here, they, here she is. She's got it. Now, you'll notice, come, hold on to Matthew 15 and go get Mark 7. Because there's, some, there's, some, there's a couple things in this that we need to notice as we kind of move through this. Because there is some differences between Matthew and Mark's account. And the differences have to do with the, the dispensational setting of Matthew and Matthew's presentation of the Lord as king. And Mark, he don't care about the dispensational say. He's looking at the heart of that servant and the servant's heart. In Matthew 15 and verse 25, um, helps to be in the right spot. Verse 26, but he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's, notice, bread and cast it to the dogs. Notice it's bread. Matthew it's, he's saying it, it's, not, it's not correct, it's not right to take what belongs to Israel, the bread. By the way, the bread of life. If you think about the analogies in John and so forth. And go over here and give it to the dogs. See that? That's what he's saying in verse 26. It's not right, it isn't correct, it isn't the program to take what, belong, what belonged to Israel, the blessings, what to, and then come over here and boom, give it. Okay? By the way, also, Israel isn't right, isn't in her right position, isn't the, cha the channel's all plugged up. So you know what? It's not time to do what? Take that blessing and give to the Gentile. It's not right. But what does Mark 7 do? Hold on to Matthew. Mark 7, the Lord says unto her, verse 27, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it under the... See how Mark adds that thing in there about first the children be filled? Matthew doesn't do that. See? She comes. Mark leaves out the dispensational stuff. Mark leaves out, by the way, look at verse 26, um, Mark 7, 26. The woman was a Greek, Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, let the, child, the children first be filled. Mark 15, we've got two, ver whole dis two verses, three verses about thou son of David. I'm not sent to her, but to the lost sheep of the house. None of that is in Mark. And Mark leaves all that out. Why? Because he's not interested in it. Matthew takes care of that. Mark is interested in showing the heart. He's interesting to show who she is. Here she is, a mom with a sick daughter looking for help. So the dispensational picture is not in Mark because what is Mark doing? He's not portraying that. Matthew took care of that. Here's what he's doing. Now, Verse 27, Mark 7, 27, again, there's, there's nothing here about that discourse between him and the disciples. There's nothing there about why he doesn't answer her. Why doesn't he answer? I'm not sent to her. I'm sent to the lost sheep of the house. None of that, okay? But rather, and, and again, I'm going to say it again. <laughs> That's not Mark's point. His points to show the heart of the Messiah, not the legality stuff. Matthew does that. Then he says, first, uh, Mark 7 there, we, where we were just a minute ago, verse 27, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. Matthew 15, he goes right to the children's bread. He doesn't do this issue about first. Why? Because he just, Matthew just hammered out the legality of it, that where are we going first? We're going to Israel first. Mark just makes a blanket statement of children first. Let the children be, fill, be filled 
first. First be filled. That indicates priority. Again, we talked about it last time. It's not one, two, three. It's first this, then this. And mark is be filled. It's, it's not the fact that it's to be preached to Israel first. See, they have to get it inside of them first. They have to be filled. That's why I said last, night, last time, we always say the children be fed first, and it's not being fed. It isn't the fact that he's preaching the message to them. They've had the oracles of God from the very beginning. But what are they not doing? They're not responding by faith. They're responding by the works of the law and the laws of righteousness and all that stuff. They're out here trying to get it done themselves. And what's happening is, is the children needed to be filled. Not just given the food, but they needed to respond positively to the meal set before them. And they weren't doing that. They weren't receiving it. They weren't believing it. They were actually rejecting it. So, again, that's why they couldn't go to the Gentiles, because they're not Israel hasn't responded. The channel of blessing is plugged up. Okay, we have a plug in the di- a plug in the channel. First, be filled. Again, what is the Abrahamic covenant? Act, uh, Genesis twelve. You bless Israel. Your seed first, first. Then I will carry out the blessing here. Priority. By the way, priority, but not a monopoly. That's the thing. Her response here, verse 28, Mark 7. I'm back in Mark 7 now. You can, you can let Matthew slide for the moment. Mark 7. Notice her response, verse 28. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs, watch, under the table, eat of the children's crumbs. She understands that priority. But what does she say? She puts herself in the proper position, which is under the table. By the way, notice that the Lord doesn't say that only Israel was to be fed or filled. He says they are to be what? First. See, there's a priority. Then the dogs can eat. And again, that's the order of the Abrahamic covenant. Israel first and then the gen- all the families of the earth. The Gentiles are to be fed. They are to be filled. They're just to be filled under what? The table, a blessing to Israel. That's her response. To, It's got to go here first and then to the dogs. And again, I'll say like I said last time, the assumption is, is, is that the dogs are going to eat from the crumbs, the stuff that fall off the table. Now, I have dogs, and when we eat, where do they, where do they usually sit? Right underneath the table, because what do they know? They know Dad's going to miss, and it's going to hit the floor. And I never disappoint, okay? Uh, now that I'm a thinner, it's a little less op- that I, you know, because I can actually get closer to the table. <laughs> Before, I couldn't do that so easily. And that's, I, that's a joke, okay? true but it's a joke verse 28 the dog where are they they are under the table but what do what happens they do eat and again that table of blessing that that issue there of genesis 12 verse 3 that blessings to all the families of the earth what's critical here is that she understands her where her position was it was to be under the authority of of it, of the jews of israel Her position was to be in submission to Israel. That's where she was to be. She understood that positionally. She understood that. But Israel's not ready to hand out the blessings. So what does the Lord do? Here's his heart. He recognizes her faith and reaches over and and fulfills her request. Now come back to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. And here's the the centurion. Matthew 25. And what he says here, 
by the way, Matthew, t well, no, I'm sorry, I'm not in the centurion. I'm, I'm ahead of my, I'm <clears throat> not there. That's Matthew 8. Look at Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. So we've come through the 70th week of Daniel. The second coming has happened. One of the components, one of the events in the event of the second coming is this right here. And he shall set the, and, and before him shall be gathered who? All nations. That is the Gentile nations. All right? Numbers 23, Israel is not numbered among the Gentiles. Israel is actually sitting on the dais there where the judge sits. That's where they're at. And he brings them. And he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. So what is he doing to the Gentile nations? He's dividing them up. He's dividing them up based on the Abrahamic covenant. He's making a division here. And he, and he then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, so here's the sheep, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hungered, and you gave me, and then he gives that list there, verse 37. Now watch. Then shall the righteous answer. Notice how their identity changed. They went from nations to sheep to righteous. See? There, so that sheep is the righteous. And that matches up with what he does in John about the shepherd and the sheep and everything. But they're called righteous now. Answered him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered and fed thee and thirst and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick and, and, or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. What is he just claiming? Abrahamic covenant. Well, you blessed my believing remnant, my nation, so I'm taking care of business. I'm fulfilling the covenant. Now, he does this when he comes back and sits upon the throne of his glory. That's second coming. That's the only time he does this. And boom. What is he doing? He takes the Gentile nations and he divides them out based on the Abrahamic covenant. Verse 41, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, so here's the goats, Depart from me, notice, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And they say, well, what's going on? And he says, when you didn't do this, see, Verse 45, then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. What happened? That little believing remnant needed help, and that Gentile said no, and turned them in, and got the reward. Now I'll bless them that bless thee, and I will curse them that curse thee. So that's exactly what's happening in Mark 7. She's in the right position. She made a clear choice as who he was. Who is he? Lord. Who is he? He's the son of David. I know who he is. I'm just not in the right position. This isn't time for me to get the blessings as a Gentile. But yet I need help because my daughter, and what does Mark say? He reaches over and heals her. And here's the heart of the Messiah. She took the place of need before the Lord. And again, that's the picture here of what the nations are going to do. Some of them are going to do, I should say. But what you see, her daughter is possessed of a devil. An that's exactly where the Gentile nation is. They're under satanic captivity. She knows this. <laughs> she grasps what's going on. But yet, what did she see? She saw the heart of the Messiah. She sees that. He does. But it's also a rebuke to who? To Israel. You should be doing this for her, Israel. 
then you're not. What we see now is a picture being developed in, Matthew, in the Gospels of Gentile interaction with Israel's program. Matthew 2, the wise men come. They're out of, they're out of Babylon. They're Gentiles. And what are, what are they coming to Jerusalem to do? Worship the king of the Jews. They understood. They come to Israel ready to worship, and what is Jerusalem? The city of the king. They're like, huh? What? What are you talking about? See? Come over to Matthew 8. Matthew 8. Here's the centurion where he heals the centurion's servant. And again, only two times does Jesus Christ directly deal with the Gentiles. Both times, the Gentiles that he's dealing with take their proper place of being in subjection to Israel. To being, they understand the Abrahamic covenant. They recognize the Abrahamic covenant. They recognize him as Israel's Messiah. And they know that they need to be in subjection to Israel. Problem is, is Israel ain't there. So the Lord does something to demonstrate a rebuke to Israel, but an answer to, of compassion to that Gentile that's in the proper place. They have done nothing wrong. <laughs> and yet, so he answers them. It, it, it's interesting. We know uh, Rahab there in Joshua, when she does that with the two spies, and she makes that, any, anybody in my house is good to go. Remember that? My brothers, my sisters, my dad, my house, and, and my mom and all that. And they're like, yes, anybody in your house will be saved. And then when they take down Jericho's wall and all that good stuff happens, who's not there? Her sisters? Because they didn't believe. That's why they weren't there. I know I always say, and we always say, they didn't want to go to the harlot's house. That's more than that. They just didn't believe. And the, Abraham, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But what does she say? Remember what Rahab says to those? We have heard of what, your, of what the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did to Pharaoh of some 40 years earlier. They had heard it. You go over there to 2 Kings 5, and you got Naaman, and he does that. He, boom. You go down, exactly the, that, that issue there, and what's going on? They got it. I think about Jonah. And Nineveh, Jonah goes in, that whole town of Nineveh becomes Jewish like that. Well, what do you mean? Well, because what they do? They repented and God converted them. But converted them to who? Being Jewish. That's who they are. And they're no longer in this group. They've come through the wall and now they're on this group. Matthew 8. In Matthew 8, we come to uh, the aftermath of Chapters 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, where in the Sermon on the Mount, he deals with, here's what the citizens of my kingdom will look like. Here's what the constitution of the kingdom is. Here's how we're going to behave. Here's how we're going to do things. Here's how things are going to carry out. 8.1, and when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Again, after setting the platform for his kingdom, Political speech for you. Okay. All right. He's on the mountain. Here it is. Sets it there. Here's what the citizens, here's everything you need to know about living and being. What happens? Well, we're going to have two miracles. Some miracles show up here. You're going to have a grouping here. The first two of them, and behold, there came a leper and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, Thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way. Show thyself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. The first thing he does is what is he? He heals the leper, right? But it's more than a healing. It's a cleansing. Notice what he did. And, and uh, verse 3, I will be thou clean. He doesn't say be thou healed. He says be thou clean. Why? Because in Leviticus, what did they have? There was a cleansing issue, not a healing issue. So he cleansed them. 
Why? Because what does Israel need? They need to be cleansed of that sinful, rebellious nature that they have, the old sin nature. They need that cleaned up. Then he says, go to the priest, tell them what's happening, because in Leviticus 14, there's to be a public pronouncement of the cleansing. Make everybody know what happened to you. Yet what they didn't do that. Actually, in Leviticus 14, when you, see, when you read there and you study that out, the priest is to go and find out who cleaned the guy, who cleansed the guy, how did it happen, get the details, and then publish the details. If they'd have done that, what would have they have said? What would they have to say? That Jesus of Nazareth is a Messiah and he's the one that cleaned this guy up. They didn't do that. They couldn't do that. Now, we have a Gentile. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. So now we have a Roman soldier, a Gentile come. And saying, watch what he says, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Notice what he says, I'm not worthy for you to come and do this. I know who you are. He's called him Lord twice. Lord, no, don't, I am not worthy. I know who you are. I want, need you to do what? Just speak the word. He recognizes there's an authority in the Lord to just speak it and it's done. Now watch what he does. Verse 9. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers unto me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. What, when the guy is talking about authority, he knows the Lord has authority. He understands. Just say the word. He understands the power of of the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not, he knows he can go over there and touch him and he's done. And what's that Gentile saying? I'm not worthy. I'm in my spot. And if Israel was cleaned up, the leper one picture, then the Gentile world is ready to respond. That's the picture. He just came down off the mountain, big, or big thing about the platform and how the kingdom was going to function and operate. And he says, now if Israel was just cleaned up, who's ready? The Gentiles are ready. That's the, that's the picture. Come over to Luke 7, the parallel passage here, Luke 7. That's what Mark's doing, by the way, Luke 7. Luke 7, verse 1. That's those two pictures there. Come off the Mount, ser Sermon on the Mount. First picture, Israel needs to be cleansed. It's there. It's ready for them in the form of the Messiah. He's right there. All they have to do is acknowledge it, make the proclamation, and it's done. They don't. But if they did, who's ready? The Gentiles are ready. They don't. So what does the Lord do? He honors the faith of the, of the man and takes care of business. Luke 7, verse 1, Now when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum, and a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. Now that's Luke for you, the doctor. Right to the final thing, death. <laughs> okay? Matthew doesn't say that, by the way. Luke does. Verse 3, And when he had heard of Jesus... He, now watch this. He sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. He went and got Jews to go and speak on his behalf. Now, Matthew doesn't have that. Matthew has him just speaking right to the Lord. But here, he went and got the Jews to go, but, but there's a reason why. Verse 4, 
And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. Well, now we got a little light in why the Lord just went ahead and healed him from Matthew 8. Why? He's worthy. Well, why is he worthy? Verse 6. Uh, I'm sorry, verse uh, 5. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Why is the man worthy? He's blessed Israel. So he's worthy of what? Of receiving a blessing. See that? You see, he loved the Jews. So there's a Gentile that's ready to be, he's right where he's supposed to be, he's right in line, Israel's not there, but he is. Why in the world should I go bless him? Because he's over here blessing us, taking care of us. Could you imagine having a, being a Jewish synagogue and the centurion is the one that paid for it? Nobody's going to mess with you. You got protection instantly. Verse uh, 6, and Jesus went, with them, and when he was now not far from the house, a centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be, here, be healed. Look at that. Just say the word. Don't come. I don't want you to come. I mean, he's begging the Lord not to come. The Lord's on his way. Verse 8, for I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say unto one, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth that. When Jesus heard these things, what did he hear? Here's a guy who understands what it is to have authority, to be in charge. He marveled at him, and turned him about, and said unto the people, that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And again, the great faith there isn't a big volume of faith, of a lifelong of faithfulness. It's rather the content. What's the content? The content's on the very word of God. That's the picture. I haven't found, you know, you think about it. Here's the Lord. He's looking at two Gentile pictures of people who have figured out the program on their own then he looks at his nation who has the word, and they haven't got it. Just crazy. This man understood what the program was. So when you come back here to Mark 7, he, he understood, this little lady understood, by hearing about the Lord, by watching the Lord, the Messiah, that hit what his word could do, that's all the lady wants. Just speak the word, you know, come heal her. Again, I, I just think about it. No angels appeared and said, he is who he is. Oh, none of that. He did just believing the word and what they heard. So the little lady here, she just comes with him with the need, Mark 7. She, the, she makes a claim in Matthew 15 of, son of David, and that was immediately shut down. No, don't claim that because I can't help you because of the legality. See, Israel, channel of blessings, then you. So don't make that claim. And that's why in Matthew 15, she just says, I need help then. If that claim ain't going to work because Israel's not ready, then I just need help. So he says it's not right for the, 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 the children first must be filled. Then the dogs. And she says, yes, Lord, I got it, but my daughter ain't going to make it until they get their act together. So he says, you got it, you understand. And so the response there then, his heart, his heart was not stopped or hindered by the unbelief of his nation. That's the point here. They didn't respond, and again, that's their problem. But here, the Gentile, they are ready to respond. They're in the proper position. They're in the proper program. They're functioning correctly. 
And that vain religious system has gotten Israel off. So his heart steps in and says, okay, we'll take care of this because you know that this is not how this is supposed to happen. And they're like, yes, Lord, but this ain't waiting. My servant's dying. My daughter's dying. Death. And he reaches in. So, again, the demonstration here, the picture here, that vain religious system is designed to step in and to stop the nation of Israel and here in, in the Gospels, to corrupt them so that they won't function properly. They don't function the way God designed them to function. By the way, it's the same for you and I. That's why Paul would say, touch not the unclean thing. Get out of that mess. Don't be there. You need to be over here. Don't get into that. Don't, don't go back to the law and legalism. Stay over here in grace. And, that. and there's a reason because what does it do? A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Okay? All right. The hour's up. But that's the picture being painted. Now, we'll catch the deaf and dumb man next time and look at that because, there, again, there's a picture painted here. Uh, more so in Mark 7 uh, is uh, very specific. Okay? All right. Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word and for the study of it and for the look into it and for the ability to see and to grasp what you are doing with your people, and yet at the same time, recognizing that heart of faith in others and helping them and dealing with them. But that ultimate painting of the picture here of the future of Israel and her program. In your name we pray, amen.